Hi, I'm Rick Atkins, pastor here at CFCC. Welcome. We hope you enjoy this sermon and that God uses it to grow you in your relationship with Him. Before we get started, our goal is not to replace your investment in a local church with online content. We were made for community. We want to encourage you to engage in a local church with your gifts. See, when the people of God invest in the community of God, they experience the transformative power of God. And that is our hope and prayer for you. Again, thanks for joining us and we hope you enjoy the sermon. Well guys, if there is one thing that was very apparent about the time that Jesus spent on earth, it was this, that he was constantly being criticized for hanging out and doing life with what the world would call the wrong type of people. I mean, Jesus was hanging out with those who were outcasts, those unclean, those who were sick and needy, even women. I had to say that quietly. And even some despised tax collectors. And many, many, including his own disciples, were constantly talking to him and, and, and trying to get him to understand that he needed to be around more important leaders and those who were devout. Because, you see, that was the quickest way for someone to move ahead in the world and to improve their present status and their position. But what they didn't understand is this. They didn't understand that there was nothing that Jesus could improve on. He was already as high as anyone could possibly be because he was God in the flesh, perfect in every way. And his desire, his desire was to spend time with those who needed and wanted him most. And today what we're going to see is that it's super apparent that children are very, very high on this list. So if you've got your Bibles or devices with you, please, if you turn to the book of Mark, and we're going to be in chapter 10, looking at verses 13 through 16, Mark 10, 13 through 16. And it says this, if you, if you don't have your Bibles, check it out on the screen, but it says this, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. So what we see is the people were bringing their little ones to Jesus. And, and the best that we can tell, the ages range somewhere between infancy and 12 years old. But with the majority of those children being what we would call today still babies. Most commentators describe this the scene where the parents or grandparents, brothers, sisters, even friends would, were lining up for the chance to allow Jesus just to touch these little ones. You know, when I read this, I, I, it made me think back to, you know, the, the times in the mall where kids were lined up forever to have a chance to sit on Santa Claus' lap. This one is a little more important, but, but I want you to get that picture in your mind. These Jewish families and friends were continuing to participate in what was a long-standing custom dating all the way back to when Jacob, who God later named Israel, laid his hands on Ephraim and Manasseh, and he blessed them. And now even the majority of the people didn't fully understand who Jesus really was at this time. They didn't quite understand all that, but what they did know is this. They knew he had already done some amazing miracles and that he was an extremely kind and loving man, and that made him their best hope for blessing their children. 
You see, in that day, the elders taught that when blessing children, the fathers were to lay hands upon the children and they were to pray for three things. They were to pray that the children would be famous and strong in the law, which means that they would know God's word. They, they would pray that they would be faithful in marriage, and the third, that they would be abundant in good works. And you know, I, I pray that today we still desire the same for our children, because this was a prayer for their spiritual future. This was a prayer for their spiritual future because they knew that, that this would also give these children the best chance for continuing this one day in their own families. So, so what I'm hoping you can see is why they were so determined to make this happen, why they were so desperate to get their children to Jesus any way that they could. And guys, it's something that we need to be doing as well. That's why we as a church here, that's why we put such an, Ill, an, an emphasis on children's ministry and sports ministry where young ones can go and have fun and fellowship, but also hear who Jesus is and how much he loves them. And guys, I will promise you, you'll be amazed at what they're capable of learning and remembering at an early age. So because it's kind of cloudy out today and a little bit, you know, it makes everybody a little lethargic, a little lazy, I want you to do me a favor. I need some participation today. So what I'm going to do is this. Um, Remember this. Who, who remembers, and, and by a show of hands, the first person that introduced you into this very famous song for young kids? Who introduced you to Jesus Loves Me? Do you remember? Pretty good. Now, you may not remember who introduced you, but do you remember the words? We're going to find out. Because here's what we're going to do. I'm going to say a piece of it, and then I'm going to ask you to chime in. But then what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to do you a real favor, and I'm going to speak it and not sing it, okay? Because you, you don't want that. All right, so I will do a piece, and then, and then you're going to do a piece. All right, you ready? So Jesus loves me for the Bible. Little ones to him belong. Hey, see? I'm telling you, Good. And you see, the reason I do that is because of this. We really do understand that what we learn at an early age sticks with us. What we learn at an early age really does stick with us. And it's so important that we know that. It's so important that we, we understand that what we're doing with our children, not only at home but here at church, is, is so important for their future and for the future of their families. And so what I'd like to do is just show you a little bit about what goes on here and how, we, how we're able to, to teach them and, and, and what they can learn. So take a look at the screen and, and, and check it out and see what's going on. All right, tell me one thing you know about Jesus. Okay. Um, the story? Sure, tell me one thing you know about Jesus. That Jesus loves you? He knows everything and he made everything. Jesus is the son of God. Uh, he's so powerful. He loves us. He loves us and um, he is so kind. That he died on the cross for our sins. That he's kind and loving and he takes care of us. Right. 
Amen. Amen. See, that's what's going on. And I, I just I want to thank Carolyn and her staff. And I want to thank all the volunteers that helped make that happen week after week after week. Because you can see that, that, that not only are they learning this, but they're going to remember this. And, and if you're really good, you can um, keep this uh, video and, and show it to them and embarrass them in, in say, 20 years. I think that would, that would be really cool, too. But you see, Jesus loved young children. He loved them. But here's the thing. He also made them a priority. He made them a priority because the setting for this verse was, takes place in a place called Perea. And that's modern day now, day, modern day Jordan. And, and Jesus was now a week away from his entry into Jerusalem where he would be crucified and sacrificed for the sins of the world. And guys, with all that going on, with all that happening, with, with, with physical death looming and one more week before his death on this earth, he stops everything. He stops everything and he spends time making sure that these young children are taken care of. You see, to Jesus... Children were a priority. So what about us? What about us as individuals in a church? Are children a priority even when it may not be convenient? Let's say that one of them begins to cry this morning in service. I, I was going to try to get you to pinch one of your ch children, but it didn't, didn't work. But let's say that that would happen, right? How do you see that? Do you see that as annoying? Or do you see that as a blessing from God because we now have a future generation of kids in the room that will carry on after we are gone? You see, that's, that's the shape we have to take. That's, that's what we have to do. We have to allow God to shape our hearts so that we can see Christ, see, see kids the way Christ does. The disciples needed to learn this as well, because if you look at the end of verse 13, it says this. It says, but the disciples rebuked them. We have this amazing celebration going on, and families have, have given up so much of their time, and they've made children a priority in their life by being willing to just stay in line for as long as it takes just to have a chance for Jesus to touch them. And, and all of a sudden, we, his own disciples, they step in, and, and they try to put an end to all of this, by giving the parents a sharp rebuke. In our world today, it would have basically been something like, would you take your kids and go home? And would you stop bothering Jesus? So why would they do this? Because, I mean, this would be like our elders walking in and we're doing our baby dedication on Sunday morning and they walk in and they say, stop. We can't do this. This is not important enough to have on a Sunday service. And you know they would never do that. But that, that's, that's what this is like. But we have to remember, for the disciples' sake, at this time the Roman Empire had a huge influence on them and the rest of the world. And you see, to a Roman, children were looked down upon, so much so that female babies were often killed at birth. And children were seen as weak, and they were seen as unable to contribute anything to the needs of the community. Another thing was happening is this line that started out kind of small was growing and growing and growing, and it began to overwhelm the disciples. And as all of this was happening, Jesus was teaching about marriage and divorce. And, and because of the way that the disciples saw children, they thought that the parents and children were starting to cause a major distraction. 
You see, they truly believed they were protecting Jesus. They thought they were doing the right thing. All because they had the wrong idea about children. Because in their eyes, Jesus' time was way too valuable to waste on children. Church, do you see the importance of of, of just how we have to allow Jesus to shape our thoughts and our minds? Do you see the importance of, of allowing Jesus to show us how we're to treat children? Because we can think we're doing the right things and get off track. So look at verse 14. It says this. It says, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Again, Jesus is watching all this unfold. And he sees these families trying desperately to get their little ones to him. And and then yet it's his own disciples who are not only stopping the celebration, but reprimanding the parents. And the Bible tells us this. It says that Jesus was indignant. You know, this is the only time in the New Testament that this word is used to describe our Savior and Lord. Indignant means to feel and or show anger over something that is perceived unfair. And Jesus was upset for two reasons. One, he not only, he loves these children, right? He loves them, he made them a priority, but also he knew the importance of getting to them early. I read this information by Dr. Jim Slack, and he shares this in a Gallup survey that just blew my mind. He says this, he says that 19 out of 20 people who become Christians do so before the age of 25. 19 out of 20 before the age of 25. Listen to this, by the age 25, the percentage goes to one in 10,000. And by the time we're 55, the percentage goes to one in every 300,000 that will accept Christ. Again, our best opportunity to share Christ is early and often. So he tells the disciples, he says, let them come and do not hinder them. And Jesus is saying there, he says, until the line's over, keep it going, keep it flowing. Do not bother them. Now we get to the point in the story where it kind of flips and it goes to us. Because we find out exactly what it is that we have to learn from these little children. Because Jesus finishes verse 14, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. But verse 15 says this, truly, truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Guys, that's big. Two words in there that I want you to look at. Anyone and never. Anyone refers to everyone or all, which means that there's no one exempt from this category. And never, never refers to no time ever in the past, present, or future. Not ever. So when you, when you look at those definitions, what Christ is saying is at no time, never, at no time in the past, present, or future will anyone, which includes everyone, enter into the kingdom of heaven if we do not receive Christ like a little child. That is a strong, strong statement. And and what I'd like to do just for a second is just pause. And and, and just, let's just pause for a little bit of prayer. I want to ask God to guide me with my words because the importance of this statement is so big. So let me pray. 
God, Heavenly Father, please, I, I pray quickly just for wisdom needed to explain these words given to us by your son so that we can explain them clearly and correctly. And God, that, that please open the hearts and the minds of all here today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I think when, when people first hear this, right, I think many believe that it's speaking of the innocence of small children because they're so cute and so cuddly, right? But see, that's not it because they were born into sin and they continue to sin. So no one is really innocent. Ask any parent that's gone through the terrible twos and I think they'll agree with you, right? There's not an innocence there. So, so what is it? Guys, it's the fact of this. It's the fact that every single child in this world, every single child comes into this world absolutely, completely, totally, subjectively, and objectively helpless. They are absolutely helpless. They can't feed themselves. They can't clothe themselves. And, and unless someone does this for them, they're going to die. So do you see this? They, they, they're desperate. They're in desperate need of someone to care for them. And, and the other thing is they have nothing to give in return. They have no money. They have no works. They have no way of doing anything in return. They're desperate, and, and, and they need help, and they bring nothing to the table. And guys, that's what Jesus is saying to those then and to us today, that we too are as desperate as those children. We too are as desperate as those little ones because we have something in us called sin, right? And that sin separates us from God. And the Bible says that there's no cure except for one, and that's Jesus. And so what, what happens is, is that so many people think that they can bring something to the table, right? They can bring something to the table, so it's Jesus plus something. But you see, we can't be good enough. We can't be strong enough. We can't be righteous enough because God's standard is absolute perfection. So if, if you've had one bad thought, if you've sinned one time, boom, you're disqualified. And guys, we have to get to this point. We have to get to this point to understand that that's who we are. That's, that's how desperate we are. We can't be good enough, and we don't bring anything to the table. Jesus Christ is our only hope, and we have to be as desperate as these children begging him for help and realizing that he's our only hope. Jesus says that's how we have to come to him. You see, so many today are trusting and hoping that they've lived a good enough life and that because they're better than their neighbor, that God will somehow let them in. But if you, if you really look at that, what it's saying is this, Jesus thank you for leaving heaven and, and coming to earth and to be spit on and beaten and nailed to a cross, but I, I'm okay. I don't need you. I'm good enough. Do, do you see how arrogant that is? Guys, we've become a world that is full of pride and self-respect. And the big thing today is we want our independence so that we can do what we want when we want. 
and, and to somehow come as a little child to Jesus and beg him for grace in our world today is seen as humiliating and disrespectful. And, and I hate that because what that means is so many people are going to hear, depart from me. I never knew you. You see, that's how heavy this is. You and I have to come to Christ with nothing. We have to understand who we are, and we have to beg him for forgiveness and for mercy and for love. And if that's beneath you, watch out. I, I just finished a book by Patrick Morley, and it's entitled How God Grows Men. And, and, and I ended up giving this to all of our male basketball coaches. And just so you know, our female coaches received a book by Shannon Bream called The Women of the Bible Speak. And so we try to do that every year. And, and in, in, in Morley's book, I, I love this because he spoke about a change that seemed to happen in our world around 1960. And it, it was about the way that we approach Jesus Christ. And, and what happened is many in our churches begin to exchange the word surrender for the word committed. And when you look at this, you say, well, well that, those are two good words, right? And, and, and they are. But, but here's the difference. You see, when we surrender, we give up, right? We give up. We hold our hands and we give up. We give up our rights, our freedoms to whoever it is that we're surrendering to. And the other thing is, is that we're at the mercy of whoever we surrender to. But for some reason, we begin telling people that, that, that when we, 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 commit, we must commit our lives to Christ. You see, see, what happens there, at first glance, we go, okay, well, that's, that's good. But, but when we commit our lives to Christ, it can be conceived that now we have a part in this because we did something. We committed our lives. Guys, we did nothing. Jesus found you. There's just such a difference there. The only way you and I can be committed is when Christ saves our souls and changes our hearts. I love what he says in verse 16. Because it got really heavy and now I can get a little bit of a cuddle here. And he took the children in his arms. He placed his hands on them and he blessed them. He took the children in his arms and he placed his hands on them and he blessed them. Here's the thing. He will do the same thing for us today. He will do the same thing for all who come to him desperately and depending totally on Jesus. Begging for the forgiveness of sin and realizing that you and I bring nothing to the table. Guys, we're completely dependent upon Christ and his righteousness. That's how we come to Christ. You know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe some of you today thought that, that you know, I can, I, I can be good enough, right? I, I guarantee you early in my life, that's, that's what I thought, you know, that you can be somehow good enough. And I'm hoping today that you realize that, that I, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings in any way. I'm not trying to question your, your, your um, being saved. All I'm saying is know why you did what you did. And if for some reason you had 
Jesus plus something you did. There'll be people in the back in the prayer center today. They'd love to talk to you about that and just share that with them and just, just know that you don't need to walk out of here not knowing that. And, and you know, one of the other things I want to pray today is that for believers, I'm asking you, please don't check the box. Don't just check the box and go, yes, I did that. I'm asking you to remember daily what Jesus Christ did for you. I'm asking you to remember that he left perfect heaven to come here. And I'm asking you to remember that he was willing to die on a cross for you at any time Christ could have walked away. But he didn't because of you and because of me. Because you see, when we remember that, you and I are going to fall more and more in love with him over and over and over again. It's just like any relationship right? We got Valentine's Day coming, men, don't forget that. We've got Valentine's Day coming. And, and, and one of the things that it does is it reminds us of our spouse and what they do and how much we love them. We have to be the same way with God. We have to do the same thing. I want to I leave you today with a parable. I, I, I love this parable. It's, it's in Luke 18. And uh, it, it, it talks about just really two different prayers. And in this parable, if you look in Luke 18, it's in verse 9. And, and, and it says this, it says, this parable is for, for those who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. That's exactly what the Bible says. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, and another, a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. I want you to stop today sometime, and I want you to circle the number of eyes in that prayer. And then I want you to listen to this. But the tax collector stood at a distance he would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. You know, we've talked about this before, but God's... To truly follow Jesus Christ, to come to him, to ask him to, to, to be our Savior and our Lord, to, to allow him to purify our souls, it's going to make us different. We're going to be different than a whole lot of people in this world, and we have to be okay with that. Jesus is asking us to come to him humbly and with nothing else as an agenda. And I'm praying today, I'm praying today that, that that's who we are. I'm so grateful for this church. I'm grateful that, that we see and know how important it is to love on children. I'm, I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that we have programs that actually you know, do that consistently. I, and I'm so grateful to get the chance to do sports ministry. We, we'll go through 1,200 kids this year. 
1,200 that we have a chance to touch their hearts through prayer and devotions. And you got a chance to see what Carolyn and Brett are doing, such amazing thing in our children's ministry. You see, that's why it's the first building on the kingdom campaign. That's why it's the first building. And I know there are some people here who say, well, I may never see it. I may never either. That doesn't matter because we know that we're building something in the future that is going to continue to allow this church to be a God-fearing, Christ-believing church even after we're gone because we're going to train up those young ones. And then when it flips, I'm asking you, please, just be so honest with God. Just understand who we are without Christ. Church, let's, let's, be, let's be that kind of church. Let's truly allow Jesus Christ to do whatever he wants to do in our lives. And let's see what happens. Let me pray. Heavenly Father God, I want to thank you for today. I want to thank you, God, that... that that children are here and that that next generation is learning and growing and that we as a church are supporting that. And I want to pray that we continue to do that, that we even ramp up our, our desire to do that. And God, today I want to pray if there's anyone here, God, that, that, that may have thought it was Jesus plus something. May they see and know and believe that it is Jesus plus nothing that equals everything. Lord, please, may we not rely on ourselves. May we not desire to be self-righteous. May we just desire to be yours each and every day. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.